0: Hey there, my name is Lars van Veegen, welcoming you to the Burnout Power podcast, the show where you will get inspired from people all over the world who not only recovered from burnout, but also grew more powerful afterwards. You will get encouraging stories, insights, and actionable tips to move you away from your burnout history into a stable and powerful life. Let me know what you think via Lars at burnoutpower.com. In today's episode, our guest is Dawn Breslin from Scotland, who's done some inspiring things after recovering from burnout. Through her work as a presenter, author, and speaker for some of the world's leading brands, she's inspired thousands to heal, re-energize, and transform. Dawn is now dedicated to helping you align your self-confidence, life vision, and energy through her new harmonizing alignment process. Don, welcome. Very Yay. nice to have you on our show today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here, Lars. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. Are you ready to share your insights with us?
1: I'm all ready. I'm yours. <laughs> for the next 40 <laughs> minutes, I'm yours. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Good to hear.
0: Okay, let's dive right in as our listeners can't wait to hear your powerful stories, Don. But to start it off easy, I learned you are really into the five rhythms dance practice. Oh,
1: I am. Well, I am. What is
0: it, and how does this secret weapon of yours help you prevent stress or another burnout
1: yeah well this was this was one of the tools that when my life was actually falling into i guess chaos, it was one of the things just just before I tipped over the edge that i that I allowed myself to do, and I had this real pull to move my body. I think you know the intensity of the stress. And the fixed position that my body was in every day, sitting in front of my laptop um, when I was working, you know, flat eyed, there was this feeling of wanting to move. And I, you know, running just felt too mechanical. And I had this urge when I saw, I, I can't even remember, I must have just, it was one of these coincidental serendipitous things where I saw an advert for this dance practice and it's a freestyle dance practice. It was um, created by this amazing woman called Gabrielle Roth in New York. And um, it's practiced in groups weekly all over the world. There's five rhythms dance practices all over the world. And, and I remember walking in to the practice for the first time. And it was a big circular room and it was dark. And there were about 60 people in the room. And I remember seeing this was kind of French music playing. And I remember seeing... In the middle of the room, it was a girl in a wheelchair, and there was a guy who I made an assumption that he was French because I could just tell by the way he was moving, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and and it was just this incredible space, you know, a big international space full of all these different bodies, and they were moving with ease to the beat in this room, and no one looked at me when I walked into the room, which was really odd because. You know, freestyle dancing, you'd kind of expect people, you know, especially when people are dancing in really weird ways, which we do, you would expect us to look at one another. But yeah. from that first, very first moment, walking into that room, I got onto the dance floor and I was self-conscious. But when I realized no one was looking at me, I just started to move my body. And I'd, at this point, I'd started to wear a lot of black. And I guess I was becoming more and more invisible. And I'd taken my place at the back of this room the, the kind of DJ was down the front. And, um, and I just started to move and and my body felt sore. My hips felt sore. My legs felt sore. My shoulders felt sore. But somehow I just surrendered into the beat a bit. And as I started to connect with the beat, my body started to move. And, it, you know, it's interesting was because it was almost like a mirror of my life, you know, because your body, you know, your body mirrors what is going on in your psyche? And everything had become stiff and it become contracted. It become painful. It wasn't moving, it wasn't fluid. I was in these stuck patterns. And um, and that first night on the dance floor, I started to move. And I can remember you go in the practice, you go through five different rhythms and each rhythm has a different effect. It's, you know, so, the, so we start off with the rhythm of stillness and we move up into a flowing rhythm. And then a kind of edgy staccato rhythm and then chaotic kind of, you know, full on dance music rhythm. And then you come down into this lyrical rhythm and then you move back into stillness again. And each rhythm kind of moves your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit, you know, everything's being moved. And uh, I remember getting down into stillness at the end of the class and, you know, people would be standing up and then by stillness, some people would lie on the floor. And I just lay on that floor and I couldn't stop crying. And my biggest fear was, how am I going to get back up again? And it was almost like in the process, I'd managed to let go of the physical strain I was holding on my body through going through these different rhythms. And, and once I'd let go on that floor, it was like, how, how, am, I, how am I going to get this body? To move. This is going to be really embarrassing. If everyone's yeah. going to leave the room, and I'm still going to be lying here, you know, in this yeah. puddle of tears. And um, and uh, and I managed to pull it together. And I just remember the first night, just thinking, "This is home for me." And it was this really meditative practice. It was an embodied practice. It was physical. It was spiritual. It was emotional. And that was the beginning um, of my obsession with five minutes dance i mean i've been dancing now for for six seven years and religiously three times a week i do prayer on sunday morning and dance i do wednesday night club night you know i do all these different types of different versions of it but it keeps me fresh alive awake embodied It de-stresses me when I get to a little bit stressed tend not to get much stress these days. But, you know, if there is any pressure, if there's stuff going on, it just lets it go. And um, yeah, it's just it's just a really wonderful thing. And I think it's really got to be experienced, you know, to to be understood. You know, I think looking on, you just kind of think, whoa, that's all a bit crazy. <laughs> um, but Especially actually, the
0: first time. Yeah.
1: Oh, the first time. But I get people to go now and, you know, when I run retreats or if I'm teaching, part of my teaching now, it's not just cognitive practices. I get people into their bodies because, you know, if you can move things in the body, sometimes we understand even better through our bodies than we can with our minds. Our bodies don't lie; they tell the truth. You know, they're drawn to what's good and healthy and real and vital for us, and they run away from what's stressful and what's difficult. And when you can start to follow your body and follow the wisdom of your body, you start to get a lot of clues about you know what's really good for you and what's not. So yeah, that's my that's my practice, and uh, I'm I just love it. I love it.
0: Yeah, but it's it's really intense, especially the first time.
1: Mm. Have you done
0: it? You- no, no, I haven't done mm. it. But uh, hearing your story, especially yeah. the first time, would, would be very intense. And I take it that the sessions afterwards were also quite intense. It's not just probably one time that it's that intense. It's no,
1: I think, It's doing I think- a lot for you. What I I learned, um, and this was the fascinating thing about this practice, is that whatever you do on the dance floor, it's really interesting how when the body doesn't lie, so the body just does what it does all the time, what it's conditioned to do. So in, in the first weeks when I went into the class, I would dance in the same space and I would make the same movements when I would dance. I would find a way that was comfortable to dance and I would... You know, and then, and then sometimes they get you to dance with, they say take a partner and, and I would be dancing with someone and I'd be thinking, whoa, this person's like really out there the way they're dancing, this is weird. Or maybe this person's a little bit weird. And then what I, what I learned was when I started to dive deeper into the practice, they talk about the dance floor being a mirror of our experience in life. So if you're up the back of the class and you're not really moving, the chances are that in your life you're kind of, you're hiding, you're kind of limiting yourself. If you don't dance with people who are completely different from you, then the chances are that you're, you know, you're judging other people because they're so different or, or you're not taking a risk to put yourself in situations that are maybe a little bit edgy. So, you know, over the seven years, what I've learned is sometimes the wackiest people on the dance floor, are the ones that I want to go and dance with, Because there's this poetry or mystery or creativity arises through the dance. Whereas when I first went in there, I just wanted to be with people who were safe because I was feeling unsafe. So there's been this exploration of the self through the practice. And as you know, I do weekend workshops in this stuff. I've been away on full week dance retreats. And the more I learn about my body and my body's responses, you know, it gives me a a greater insight and access to my mental processes, you know, the the way my belief systems and the way I'm behaving in life. So now instead of dancing at the back of the class, it's taken me a few years to actually find myself all over the dance floor, dancing with lots of different people. And it almost shows where I am in life now. It's a mirror of where I am now because now I'm connecting with lots of different people. I'm doing new things and I'm in a completely different flow space. Whereas when I first started, I just felt contracted, I felt shut down, I felt scared, I felt vulnerable. And I'd lost that, that sense of flow and freedom that I'd once known, yeah.
0: Yeah, quite a transformation you've done over the over the years then.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been really big. This has been, I, I went through a transformation in my 20s, where I went from postnatal depression into, you know, catapulting my life into this incredible career you know, as an author, as a speaker, working on television doing amazing things. So that was my first kind of transformation. And mm-hmm. then this, this one has being, this one which happened in 2012 when I burned out, this has been deep and very profound. This is actually, so my first one catapulted me into success and achievement. And I learned about manifestation and creating my own reality. and And, you know, and then I was teaching these things to others and helping them build their confidence and their self-esteem to achieve and then when i burned out i all the the things that i'd written about in my books you know desire your success believe in your success you know go out take action and and do whatever you want to do in this world suddenly when you have no energy you have no vitality you have no money when your life is breaking down or broken down You can't set goals anymore. You can't. It's all the things that I taught. (laughs) Suddenly, they didn't work. And that catapulted me into my second transformation, which was how do we emerge? How do we build our lives up and step back into our purpose and our potential when we have no energy? We have no vision. We have no goal. We have no inspiration. We simply are being who we are that's all we have Mm -hmm. you know so how do we how do we design a life from that place you know which was which was my big question you know in 2012 how do human beings you know for someone who'd been so successful and achieved so much how do we achieve was my first question but then i realized that achieving wasn't what it was about this wasn't what life was about It wasn't Mm. that achievement, achieving, it was about unfolding into our potential and whatever that was And that achievement suddenly didn't matter wasn't important. And certainly, that achievement would only create the pressure to keep me in that burned out position. So I had to refocus completely.
0: And how did you find the the insight that it did it's all about unfolding? Yeah. Where did, this, where did this come from? Yeah,
1: so this this is just so beautiful. You know, when I think back, um, you know, I, I, I'm i sitting right now in my office and I've got a 180-degree view of this, the ocean in front of me. I live right on the edge of it. And I used to sit in this office when I was burned out and I used to just dream about being outside. But I couldn't get outside because I just had to work and work and I had to make, I remember it was £7,700 a month, was my, my basic bills and I had to make that every month so if I wasn't in the office thinking about how working on business when I was not working which wasn't very often I was constantly thinking about business and how I was going to make this money and I had this garden outside which you know I never had time to plant never had time to spend in it in the summer you know in these glorious sunny days I was kind of trapped in this office and I dreamed about being in the garden and um When I reached the point of giving up my company, I had no energy left at all. I didn't know that until I I was firing so hard on adrenaline that I didn't know how depleted my reserves and my body body was until I stopped. So when I stopped, I knew that I couldn't work. I couldn't take on any clients. I signed up for government assistance to try and help me get through because I was a single mom with a teenage daughter. And what I did each day is I started to sit in the garden because that was that had been my dream. And I would, I, I guess, I don't know if you know the term earthing, you know, where you get your bare, bare feet on the grass and just, you know, every, each morning I would go out with my bare feet in the grass and I would wrap up. I'm in Scotland, so I'd like seriously wrap up. Yes. <laughs> and um, and <laughs> dressing gowns, sweaters, everything, you know, just to, to, to stay warm. But I'd have my bare feet on the grass, you know, and I would just, I would just stand and I'm I'm at the edge of the ocean. So I stand looking at the sea with my bare feet on the grass and I was just, just kind of coming back to myself, to my body. And then I would get my clothes on during the day and I would just sit for hours in the garden. And um, one of the biggest and most challenging things for me was the fact that, you know, I'd I'd written all these books on goal setting and, and achieving and I couldn't, I couldn't set a goal, you know, because I didn't have the energy. I didn't have any money to build the business because i was actually at this point £100,000 in debt as well. So I, mm. I just, I was I was completely broken on every level. And mm. um, so I was sitting in the garden and this question arose and, and the question was, you know, how, because I'm all, I was, even then I just was thinking about humanity. I thought, how many people who are just like me who are burned out, exhausted, fatigued, how do we How do we get back into balance? And then I kind of started to think globally and, and thinking, you know, in this rat race where everyone's running after stuff and we're accumulating, we have these jobs, we work so many hours, how do we get back? How do we get back? And then I had this really strong inspiration, Lars, where... I just looked at the flowers in the garden and I started Mm -hmm. to look at the flowers and some of it was springtime and things were starting to bud and grow. And I thought, how does nature do this? How does nature like sustain chaos and get through really tricky times? You know, we're part of Mm -hmm. nature. Yeah. 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 We're so, you know, in our minds we're somehow detached from it, but you know, when it boils down to it, You know, we grow in our mother's womb for nine months with no influence whatsoever. It's just nature. A baby hedgehog grows inside its mother. It's just nature. A seed of plant or a tree. It it just it just begins to grow. It's part of nature, and everything in nature was just growing, and it was going. I I started to read something called biomimicry, and I, I was looking at how nature, natural systems. And how they were being used in industry, we were looking to nature for solutions of how to create more sustainable resources. You know, to to create more sustainable products in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, and I thought, how does nature do it? And then as I read and I read and I'm talking about, I was reading for nearly three years constantly. I read about Taoism, and I was reading about nature and and biomimicry. And and what I what I worked out was. It's really simple, but it was this correlation that everything in nature grows in a cyclical way. So things grow and then they rest and then they repair and then they grow again. So, you know, as babies, when we're running around, we're full of energy, you know, we're growing, we're busy. And then we get really, really tired or even we might fall over and hurt our knees. Then we fall down, Mm -hmm. we go to sleep, our our knees heal and repair. And then we get up and off we go again. And, and there's a cycle of growth, rest and repair. And then I took it from that to then looking at the seasons. And I, I started to look at the seasons. And when you look at the natural seasons, there are two seasons that are high energy, spring and summer. And then there's the lower energy seasons, which are autumn and winter. So if we begin to regulate our pattern of living, with the natural rhythm and cycle of nature then we could come back into balance if we look at the in and the out breath in every single breath there's this rising up and then there's letting go if we look at the the rise of the you know the sun in the morning and then the moon in the evening the light the dark we look at the menstrual cycle we have an estrogen high estrogen cycle and then we have a progesterone lower energy cycle so I started to see all these patterns and I realised that for living organisms to really thrive, they have to honour these, these cycles of expansion, contraction, expansion, contraction. And then I looked at humanity and what I see is this perpetual straight line of expansion, where there's no space for contraction there's no space for coming back to breathe no space for taking time to rest we go through chaotic life circumstances we go through bereavement we go through divorce we go through redundancy we go through bankruptcy we go through all these different things and we keep going we keep going we keep going we keep going because we've been taught you know to grow we need to you know this is how we need to achieve this is how we need to grow and and it's such an unnatural expectation for any living organism to, to live this life of perpetual growth without, you know, recognising and honouring that at times in our lives we're going to expand and we're going to grow and at other times we're going to contract and need to rest and need to repair. And, and the other amazing realisation through this process Mm-hmm. was that as I um, sat in the garden and um, I had no goal for my future, I thought that my future in personal development was finished and my future in coaching. You know, at one point I was, you know, they talked about me in the press as being one of the best coaches in the UK. And, you know, it was like that identity was dead. But but what was it's, fascinating, uh,
0: tough.
1: It, it, was, it was, and it, it, I, I felt like it was the end of me. But what happened is, um about 6 months or maybe not even 6 months maybe four or five months into the process of letting go of my work letting go of my expectations letting go of my goals i started to join the dots for this new system and immediately i realized this within what i'm starting to understand is a new system a new way of living for humanity to come back into vitality to come back into balance, to come back into energy. And and here's the fascinating part, that when I relaxed the system deeply, the inspiration came through, the life force of the universe, God, source energy, what, universal energy, whatever you want to call it, came back through me again. It had, it had its... Op- because my system relaxed, because it softened, the energy that grows the plants, the trees, the animals... The life force, the life forms on this planet, that life force never, ever leaves us. It consistently moves through us in the form of inspiration, whispers, guidance. It's there. But if we don't get quiet or if we're too contracted, we can't hear it. And what the next revelation for me whilst you know, being in silence, being in softness, being in this space, being in a place of no pressure was a brand new direction to my career started to move through. And that was an amazing thing. That gave me so much faith that in these terms where people say, let go and let go, or the universe has got your back or whatever, it was like, oh my goodness, this is exactly what is happening to me right now. And from the moment that I let go of my business and I let go all the stress and the strain, I was guided and being guided into a new direction. And one that I have followed just, I've followed it just so naturally. And I've been so committed to this new path that's emerged through me. And it's bringing amazing new opportunities into my life. So I think sometimes when we go through these experiences and, you know, at the death of or the ending of the old, you know, really, as we jump into the abyss, there is... The opportunity for incredible new beginnings to emerge if we create space to allow them. Yeah.
0: Yes, it, these are very deep insights that you've experienced, and you've realized that you have to find the the quietness, the stillness. I can imagine that for a lot of people, this is uh, knowing this is one thing, but creating the actual space and stillness is the other thing. How did you manage to to incorporate that in your life, in your day-to-day yeah. so, schedule? So
1: now my schedule's busy <laughs> and, um, you know, life has, has picked up again. So I'm, you know, back and creating a new career, writing new books, doing all sorts of things. But the big thing for me now, Lars, is... And people people don't know how I do it, but I do it. I'm fortunate I'm self-employed, but I mm-hmm. never, ever start work before 10 a.m. in the morning. And I get up around six. I have four hours of bliss each and every day of my life before I even... T- I love my work, but I have a connection now to nature, to stillness, to quietness, to... I have this connection to actually to myself. That's what yeah. I'm looking for. A connection to myself that I honour. So before I begin my day, each day, I put myself in this position where I give to myself. I sometimes sometimes I'll get up at five thirty and I and it's kind of scary, but I go over to the woodland and I just find it thrilling watching the sunrise through the trees in the morning. And I you know, sometimes I can't even see in the darkness, in the blackness, first thing in the morning. But I know the rough time of sunrise, you know, so I'll be I'll be in the woods and and I'll walk for an hour. And sometimes depending on the time of year, I'll just lie down. And I'm doing this is what some people do on the weekends. And Mm -hmm. I'm doing it if I choose, I can do it each and every day. Because I bought a house that's near woods, you know, so that that I can have this experience. Because I recognize now how important nature is to me. When I go into the woods, I I feel this deep, deep, deep connection. But some days I don't go to the woods. Some days I'll go running, and again, I really find this kind of sunrise is a really sacred time, you know, in the winter time especially. You know, sunrise can be around seven in the morning, 6.37. And, you know, just so running, I'm I'm not really necessarily running just for running. I'm running for being more to be out in the experience of the day waking up and being with that kind of sacred quiet time. And, And a lot of it is about just being by myself. It's, you know, being away from other people, not, you know, not being exposed to the noise of the day, you know, the news, the television, the the radio, but really crafting my mornings. Some mornings I've got devotional playlists on, on Spotify and it's this kind of sacred music that I really enjoy that brings me closer to myself, brings me closer to spirit. Sometimes I can play that for an hour in the morning with candlelight at the start of the day. And then I'll have a mindful breakfast, I'll take time to shower, I'll enjoy my shower. So it's really slowing the day down at the very beginning of the day and setting the tone for the pace of my life and sometimes i'm just like a child i just feel so thrilled you know i'm so <laughs> thrilled that i've just had three hours of fun before i even start work
0: already, yeah, already. morning yeah. yeah
1: yeah and but it is about being with myself it's about just finding that space and And I've learned, you know, I I never thought I could sit so long by myself before this all happened to me. But when you have no energy, you know, you really have to learn to sit by yourself a lot. And uh, and I learned it. And I, I don't do a mindfulness practice. I go meditate. These are my meditation practices. These are, you know, my dance practice, being in nature, my music in the morning, candlelight, and there's where I find, you know, and I journal, so I'll ask myself what's what's coming up for me? What are the feelings that I'm feeling? So that I'm really on track with myself. But I think one of the other things, Lars, that I that I really worked out, and this is a this is a tough one if you've not experienced it. But it really was that even like I used to have this real pressure, you know, to have my own radio show to be on telly to you know do all these different things that I did it was like I've got to do these you know this is part of my work I've got to do this and now I have such a soft touch on life I really believe that things that are for me are going to come into my life and they'll stay with me and if things aren't right for me they'll move on or I'll move on from them so I've softened my connection to to what I'm, I wouldn't even use the word manifesting because it is about my unfolding now because I really trust that life almost has a plan for me and that if I stop pushing and trying so hard, it's like when you're dating. And you keep texting someone, or you're thinking, "Why aren't they texting me back? (laughs) Why haven't they contacted me? What's wrong?" You know. Maybe if I text them again, they'll text me back. You know. Maybe if I text eight times, they'll text me back. They're deleting your text messages by the time you got to text number eight. You know. Whereas if we lean back and say, "You know what? If that's really not working, this texting business, I'm going to lean back, and if someone comes to me, then I can feel the interest. I sense." that that's maybe right for me. And I'm using that analogy in in relationship, but it, it, it applies to everything in life. I think we spend so much of our lives striving and trying to push for things, and a lot of things don't actually happen. And yet the things that, and there has to be an element of engagement, but it's this fine line between not pushing, and a lot of spiritual texts talk about it. It's not pushing and not holding back, so you're active, but you're not pushing forward. And in that place, if you can find that balance, life emerges, and and what and what what is going to stick will come through. You, are you with me here, or is this? Am I going a bit deep? <laughs> no, this, yeah,
0: no, this is very good. I love what you're te- what you're saying about this. But speaking about the texting on with people around you. You've shared so much already on on what you've learned, your insights and how you you deal with that. What if you could Mm -hmm. send a notification to everyone on the globe, experience with burnout? What few words or sentence would it say?
1: It would say, please learn to be so kind and tender with yourself. If you need recovery time, find a way to take that time. Stop pushing forward because ultimately it can can result in lifestyle diseases. It can even result in death for some people. So number one is be kind to yourself and give yourself recovery time. I'd say downsize. If it's all too much and the financial pressure is too much, find a way to reduce your outgoings for a period of time Mm -hmm. until you strengthen, until you recover. And then you can step back up again. Reduce your expectations. Even just for a period of time, reduce your expectations. Just say, you know, I'm going to give myself 12 months. I'm going to give myself 24 months where we don't try to keep pushing into this place. I'm going to take, take a gentle step back, somehow finding a way to do that. I would say trust in life. You think that, you know, if you don't continue with this job or continue with this relationship or, you know, if you if you give this up, it will be the end of your life. It won't. It won't. And sometimes letting go is the right thing to do. You know, whilst yeah. your health is so important. Lars, I have, you know, I've had it, you know, I experienced this to a point where my body was Just my body could not function. I was almost catatonic. And if someone had said to me, "If you continue like this, you won't be able to work for two years, or you're going to have diabetes, a stroke, heart attack, cancer," would I have pushed forward? Would I have pushed forward? But that is a reality. You know, burnout is really serious, and and you're this tender human being, you know, and Mm. you. But I, I really get it that. Because I was there. I just didn't want to give up. I saw letting go as failure. I saw it as, I, and for me, it was letting go of my business. It was potentially letting go of my home. It was um, letting go of my identity as this leader in, in my field. And when I let go that identity, the ego, if you like, mm-hmm. I let it go and I just dropped into the most still i never got anxious i never got depressed i just dropped into stillness and within a couple of weeks it was actually thrilling not to be oh so crippled by it you know i was crippled by it you you know what i'm talking about yeah
0: but after after recovery so you found it found the stillness in you the then there's a place for inspiration to come through you right and from that inspiration you've managed to set up your your new business and Uh, could you tell me a little bit about the the harmonizing program where you incorporated all the news new insights and where you're learning people these insights
1: yeah so it took me until 2016 so it took four years to kind of bring this inspiration through and to give it form and well actually no, it took about took about two, three years, and then I tested the system on people for about a year. And then in 2016, I set up, because my vision is that I really, like you, I want to help people who are burning out. I want to help people with low self-esteem. I want to help people who are not clear about the future path. I want to create, I wanted to create a system to bring people into natural alignment with their mind, with their bodies, with their spirits, so that they could really grow, but be well and vital at the same time. So it's how do you sustain that vitality and that energy and grow? And and it means looking at life, reviewing life completely. You know, for some people, it means moving to three days work or four days work rather than five or, or three days work and then two or three days doing something really creative so that they get the meaning in their lives they get the quality of life so they're not just pushing for this career or this ego identity instead they're they're living these vital vital lives and getting the most out of life so just in the same way that the acorn becomes the oak tree how do you become the oak tree in your life but not in a broken tired out exhausted way you know in a really vital way so So I designed a system called the Harmonizing Alignment Process, which interestingly was, it is 50% of the work that I used to do, which was all the confidence, self-esteem, resilience, empowerment work that I was doing. And now it's 50% about, you know, just balancing masculine and feminine energies, the yin and the yang energies in the body. It's about teaching people to really embrace change and courage, the courage to let go really and overcoming our fears so that we can get into this place of flow and harmony and fulfillment. So what I did is I created an online program, which we have at our website. And then I started to, my vision was to teach coaches, therapists, yoga teachers, dance teachers, all sorts of people who are working with people to bring them into their power, into their strength, into their life vision. I'm I'm working with them with this process so that they can then teach their clients the process either through workshops or through a coaching technique. So I now take coaches, teachers, therapists, all sorts of people off on five-day residentials, teach them the harmonising alignment process, and then they go out into the world. Whilst at the same time, what I'm doing is I've just spoken to someone today actually, and I'm about to start my own radio show again. So. I will write my book I'll do the mm. radio show so I'll go back out there and I'll speak about it around the world <sighs> but the idea is that I'll have a training company who I'm negotiating with that will actually run the training side of the business so that we can get this these theories and philosophies out there and get people experiencing them to try and bring more harmony and balance into people's lives because you know i I was just absolutely stuck. I didn't know where to look when i was when I was burning out in two thousand and twelve yeah and um you know i I think there's there's more stuff coming onto the market now, but I still think that there's a real space for you know people people need to find out more you know and it's not just about managing adrenal fatigue it's it's actually about lifestyle practices it's about a complete reevaluation of how human beings are thinking how we're Aspiring to this old, these levels of growth that are sometimes unnatural for the for the human body to to sustain our vitality, our energy, our well-being at the same time. I'm also working in corporate organisations now. I'm working in the NHS in the uk so it's, it's spreading
0: it's spreading it's getting out there yeah.
1: it's getting out there yeah
0: yeah lovely that's that's good so it's train the trainer and and have them spread the word yes, as well
1: exactly that exactly that yeah yeah
0: and what would be an easy way for um for people to to, to get to know this program I, i've learned you've also had a, a have a magazine
1: I do. We site. have a great magazine that, you know, what I wanted to do is tra- create a training company, but not just offer training. So the magazine integrates the training into lifestyle practices. So it helps people get into alignment with the energy of the season. It it highlights, you know, the the values in eating seasonally. It also covers things like, you know, vulnerability, burnout, low self-esteem, exhaustion, how we deal with these things. How do you love yourself? How do you develop that, le- that level of kindness and care towards yourself? So, you know, there's lots of bite sized chunks, kind of little bits of information and in the magazine. It's all I'm so blessed. I have the most amazing assistant who's a magazine designer, amongst other things. So it's all beautifully illustrated. And some people say, they can't believe it's for free. So you can sign up for that at the website. It's under resources. And that's, that's completely free. It comes, out, it comes out seasonally, so it's every quarter. But recently we've been doing kind of uh, every couple of weeks, we've been doing some really beautiful articles as well, you know, to, to just inspire people and, and, and try to, well, actually inspire is not what I'm trying to do, it's actually heal. That's what I'm trying to do is help people heal and find healing solutions
0: yeah yeah it it is beautiful and it is amazing that you're providing this for free on your website um so it's an online magazine right yeah
1: so it's it's not just it's not
0: just for people in the uk it's for everyone to find these lessons and be inspired and yes get these first ideas into healing right and yeah so about scotland before we wrap it up um yeah. And, and are there any specific methods to recover from burnout specifically or originating from your country?
1: I think walking in the highlands. That's a nice. <laughs> retreating, <one. Yeah. laughs> ret- retreating to the highlands is I mean the air here is incredible. Yeah. And the countryside is is you know it's second to none. I'm actually going to do it this weekend. I'm booking. Just to go away for one little night into a tiny little cottage, yeah. light a big fire, drive away by myself for, you know, just a couple of days. And um, there's just nothing like it, you know, in the Scottish Highlands. Retreats the space, to the Highlands. Retreats to the Highlands. I highly recommend. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, yeah, yeah but this is, I think, nature, walking in nature or it's hiking nature. Yes. gives you so much space in your, in your head. Yeah. it reconnects walking barefoot perhaps, even yeah. would be a good point yeah one.
1: definitely yeah yeah d- yeah, d- yeah it's a great idea in Scotland <laughs> the walking barefoot yeah, up the wet, hills wet feet. with the ice yeah. with the ice <laughs> and the snow i think there was snow here a couple of days ago oh. so um yeah there's a flurry of snow and we're in yeah. what are we we're in march <laughs> so, yeah so there's there still be snow on the hills but um but yeah just getting into nature yeah. get getting Getting into nature's rhythms and allowing your body to start to mimic those rhythms is so healthy and so energizing.
0: Yeah, I think these are very nice closing thoughts uh, that you just shared. I, I think your stories were very inspirational. I, I've noted down quite some takeaways, and the last bit was also on the cycles that you've mentioned that you've talked about. Mm. Mm. Um, there's so much wisdom and inspiration we can take from nature Uh, thank you so much for this the other one I really loved was the dance for being the mirror of your life Mm, uh, which is also a very nice one
1: yeah, find a five rhythms class, Lars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <That's> a good <laughs> there's one. a challenge yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> how can people best reach you or learn more about you or your program, the harmonizing program, or the magazine?
1: Yeah, you can find out about all of that the online course, the magazine, the harmonizing academy. You can find it all at dawnbreslin.com. So, it's my name.
0: All right. I'll definitely link out to your website and your public profiles also to make sure our listeners are able to find you so thank you so much for chatting with us
1: thank you so much for having me Lars and best wishes with everything that you're doing too and lots of love to all the listeners who are in the middle of this journey yeah
0: thank you again thank you so much
1: thank you
0: Head over to burnoutpower.com for the show notes with key takeaways and all the links. So burnoutpower.com and easily find yours by searching on episode number or the name of our guest. For my next episode, I have a few amazing guests line up for you. To grab their powerful insights as well, please tune in. To get notified, make sure you click on that follow or subscribe button and you're set to move you away from your burnout history. Speak to you next time. Bye for now.